We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Kirk Henderson. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. Sorry about last night. Uh, things got out of control. Uh, not really. Just um, going on a trip. Uh, son was not having it. Uh, and so I stayed up very late with a five-year-old instead of watching a huge chunk of the game. But that's okay. Uh, we're here today. Um, the Mavs beat the crap out of the... Uh, Hornets, which was really a a pleasant, pleasant surprise. Um, that was the first back to one, both the front and back end of said back to back since last season when they were beat. They beat the Nets and the Cavs, which was nice. Uh, I saw a significant chunk of the first half where Porzingis just sort of went on a a you know just killing spree, scoring I think like fourteen points in like seven minutes. Like looked really, really good. Um, First quarter KP gives me uh, Josh Howard vibes when he's feeling it. Um, It's really something. I'm really uh, enjoying seeing him play well. Um, One of the things I've gotten a kick out of the last several weeks is is the fact that people are like, oh, this is as good as Porzingis never looked or has ever looked in a Mavs uniform. I'm like, guys, please go watch like February, March of 2020 where Porzingis scored, I think, 30 plus points nine times. He was mowing teams down. Um, right now, he's been doing work where he can't hit the broadside of a barn from three. I'm pretty sure he's still under uh, 30% from three point range for the season, which is really uh, kind of funny almost to a degree. Yeah, he is at, where are we? Yeah, 29.7%. <laughs> um, Porzingis is coming along, and he still has a lot of, of ways he can improve. I'm liking how he's using both hands when he's dribbling. I saw him go right and make passes. He's making um, passes out of smart decisions. Uh, it was it was nice. that the, That was kind of the get-right game that I was expecting against the Thunder, only none of the Mavericks played well except for Josh Green and um, Moses Brown. 
speaking of those two, Moses Brown had himself another fun game where just playing hard makes a difference. Uh, that was probably one of the most entertaining Josh Green games we've had since I can remember. Um, you know, Josh Bo wrote a piece late last night about him. Just you know, he's he's actually looking like he he you know knows how to play basketball. I know lots of people are out there probably crying and saying, "Oh, he's been able to do it the whole time." I, no, <laughs> uh, he's a little too fast for his own good. Sometimes it's fine, but you know what? The rest of the Mavericks haven't been making the case to play, so why not play Josh Green? Why not play him? If, if above all else, to sort of showcase um, that that the six five guy can do some stuff. Um, I don't know. It was, it was just good. It was nice. I, I wish that I could have gotten on and talked about it with all of you guys last night, um, but here we are. So I'm going to start bringing people up for anybody that has any speaker uh, any requests, um, and then you know let's let's sort of talk about what's coming. I have recorded uh, earlier today. I recorded a quick podcast with my friend Anthony Irwin of Silver Screen and Roll to talk about the upcoming Lakers game, which if anyone is paying attention to the news right now, I sort of feel like might be in doubt. Um, the COVID protocols have put a number of Lakers, they had to cancel their practice. Talon Horton Tucker is entering the protocols. He's been very important for their rotation. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see where we go here. Not to do the thing that I, I often did last year, but I, this is the way the COVID, pro, uh, COVID protocols are going to this point. I'm almost wondering if the NBA sort of ne- needs to revisit what's going on here. All of these guys, from what I've I've done some snoop around, many, many of these players are vaccinated, obviously. And many, many, many of them took the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is the least effective of the group. Um, and and so guys are testing positive. But I the thing that I've not heard is whether they have symptoms. Um, symptoms meaning, you know, some of the things that that we saw players like Jason Tatum deal with last year, which was he was just effectively short. He, he dealt with shortness of breath like the rest of the season. And then he, he didn't feel right for a very, very long time versus testing positive on, uh, based off of protocols, but not really showing symptoms. And I'm wondering what the league can do about that. I know that the current variant seems to be much more um, spreadable, the Omicron, but not necessarily putting people in the hospital. I, I could be mistaking. I don't want to go down that path too far, but it's kind of interesting because the NBA had to bump a couple of games because like the almost like a, a significant portion of the Chicago Bulls organization was put in COVID protocol. So it's it's very it's very interesting. I the with the Lakers and Mavs playing on national TV, I think the NBA probably wants to play this game. Um play this game with with uh, just about, uh, you know, as many players as possible. Um, so, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what's, what's going on out there. All right. So now I have some guests. Uh, let's uh, come on up and say hello and we will uh, hang out for a little bit during people's lunch hour. Josh, what's going on? Thanks for joining today. Hey, Kirk. How um, you doing? Okay. A little, little better now. Last night was uh, unnecessarily stressful, but uh, anybody that has uh Kids or pets or anything like that, you know, sometimes shit just gets thrown to uh, thrown to the wind. And frankly, I'm surprised it doesn't happen. Well, a little guy wants to do what he wants yeah, to he do. Was like, he, and if you don't he was wanna... like, you're fu- <laughs> he, he was equivalently like, you're fucking staying home, dude. Like, that was, that was <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, he's a, he's a five-year-old version of me. And so he might, I can't remember if he actually cursed, which he should. Well, he hears you, uh. Um, dealing with uh, these still questionably abominable. <laughs> well, at least they're above 500. 
No, I'm not going to be negative. I just want to thank uh, Desmond Bain um, for unleashing uh, Josh Green. Not that he's not that he's like a tornado or a whirlwind or anything crazy, but he's uh, his energy is very notable. I would say. Yeah, and and it's just like even if he plays terribly, it's nice to see something different. Um, the Mavs are just so dang easily scouted at this point where you know what particular players are going to do. So when certain things go, you know, you have Josh Green who just runs like a madman. I really, I've never, you know, he hit threes in back-to-back games. Like that has quite literally never happened before. Um, and I don't know, you know, one of my friends on that I talked to um, on the internet almost all the time is like, he just needs more volume opportunities. Like, well, Green's not going to get opportunities to shoot, but will he? What he will do is get opportunities to go in and mix it up on on like the the defensive and offensive glass. He got a real nice offensive board kicked out, led to a shot. He had an alley oop uh, out of a I think that was a, out of a sideline play that was really fun. Um, it did kind of illuminate just how he's not he's not a vertical athlete. Uh, he dunked it, which was awesome, but it's not like if anybody's watched the Mavs, like Roddy Bobois was like, that dude could levitate and the Mavericks haven't had anybody since like Brandon Wright. And really, I guess Dwight Powell, some pre uh, pre uh, Achilles tear. Like, like I would love to see the Mavericks have somebody that can just defy gravity and go get some of these passes. But the good minutes as, as Adam notes in the chat, like good minutes are good minutes. And it was, it was really fun to watch something I mean, I don't think it's – I mean, am I wrong to think it's fucking rocket science that you give that you give young players reps and then they improve? And I just don't – I mean, I mean, I'm not – look, I'm looking forward and I'm not trying to look back, but I just looked at so many of these games where they could have just been developing with reps on the floor, and uh, I find that to be weird. Now, of course – we're not in the practices, so I don't really, I don't know about that. But at the same time, I mean, it, I mean, he, you know, him and Moses both uh, look good um, and their development seems, seems finally to be accelerating. But of course, we're not on the back end of that. Um, and yeah, you don't want to, um, you know, scoff at a, uh, at a convincing blowout win without Luca. So the chat is yelling at me uh, for two reasons. Uh, first, they say, what about Dennis Smith Jr.? Duh. And then uh, uh, Matthew notes, um, uh, uh, Green, Gerald Green was unbelievable. I guess I'm, I'm oh, thinking yeah. it's just, I don't know. It, it's it's dudes where you could release that alley-oop in the middle of a game more often. Because, like, Smith was a driver. You know, he, obviously he could dunk, so I, I was wrong there. But um, it's it's funny. I I the argument is like, okay, well, veterans just deserve more opportunities because they know what's going on. I mean, our veterans have made the case that they don't really deserve minutes any more than the rookies. Uh, and I've always kind of, you know, it'd be one thing if like the veterans are, are like mopping it up and, and, you know, you, you want to hold your rookies to a higher standard, but like if everybody's playing in the mud, then why not get a little bit more of an opportunity? I mean, yeah, except that, you know, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, Trey Burke is now kind of, you know, debunking that case a little Alan bit. Allen Iverson. And I and I don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I really, you know, want, you know, personally. I mean, I don't know. 
other people know better than I do, but do you really want Trey Burke taking all these minutes now? No, but I mean, at least over these, you know, with Luca out, at least we've seen kind of a variety of dudes trying stuff. And that they've won two games in a row while trying stuff. Yeah. So. Um, you cut out for a second. No, no, um, I, I put myself. That was, that was it. That was all I had to say. <laughs> it's nice that they're winning oh, while oh, playing these. Oh, okay. I always wonder about those cutoffs that if you're doing that or whatever. But yeah, um, I'll leave with this. The, the, the idea of Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and high flyers, the equivalent of that in the league right now is maybe that cat. I think I'm getting his name right. Derek Jones Jr. on the, on the, uh, bowls. Mm. He's one of those just gravity defying put it anywhere up there and he just goes and gets it a guy like that would be awesome um and then i'll just uh leave you with uh i had a question and i forgot it but anyway thanks so much kirk and uh you know uh we don't want to we don't want to complain about a win that's right thanks for joining josh appreciate you all right coming up next we have nick hi nick Hey, what's up, Kurt? Not much. My wife just delivered me lunch, so I'm going to do my best to not chew into the Nice. No problem if you do. Well, um, man, I sometimes I click this the request button, and then what I was going to say is said right before I come up. <laughs> but um, I guess just to piggyback, I was just going to talk about Josh Green's playing time. Um I do think, especially when you have guys like Reggie and Tim, I know last game they actually finally did have a decent game, but still, if you look at kind of this whole season, um, you know, them shooting 30%, 25%, why not potentially even start Josh Green? Um, because he can at least give you 25% shooting from three, and he'll actually be able to play defense better than Tim, for example. Uh, and potentially could send a message to those guys to kind of get their act together. Because as a Mavs fan, I don't want to wait around all season for, um, you know, that to get going when we are going to be, you know, in the play-in tournament rather than having a nice seed. So I kind of was curious on your thoughts on maybe giving him a little more run early in game. So I don't think they're ever going to consider starting him. I do think if you're asking, can he get more minutes with some of the upper half of the rotation, i.e. Porzingis and Luca, that's something I'd be interested in. I'm not sure at what point they bring him off the bench because I kids' rotations sometimes don't make a ton of sense to me. Um, but I, I wouldn't hate it. It's the offense is just so mired in the mud at points that it's I don't blame them for not playing green when you need more offensive firepower. But then when the guys who are coming in off the bench ostensibly to give the Mavericks that firepower can't ever seem to hit a shot, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's my thought. And I mean, I don't think in a season where we were under 500, uh, um, I'm kind of thinking like, well, maybe we can at least get some development out of this guy and potentially – um, increase his trade value or something uh, just because it was starting to feel like, like you said, we we're stuck in the mud with um, our normal rotation. So, yeah, I don't know. I was happy to see him get a little more playing time at least, and I'd like to to um, see more of that as this season goes on. I guess my other um, point here would be KP, and it's just like so interesting for me to watch him when Luca isn't playing because I feel like we get 
the KP that I wanted, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago. And so I'm wondering, is, is it just like something with Luca and KP together and their styles just don't mesh well? Or maybe does KP mentally just step up knowing that Luca's not playing? Um, cause I just feel like when, when KP knows that he's the guy, he just looks like a totally different person out there. A little calm A, a little calm B. Um, at a certain point, you're asking the question of should Luca have the ball less and KP have the ball more? And the answer will pretty much constantly come back to no. <laughs> I, I, I understand, but at the same time, I think one of the things Kid was tasked with was figuring out a way to, to get KP in a different frame of mind. And I think that you really see elements of that when Luca's not there. Um, I've always, I waffle on this. I think KP's post-ups are significantly better. Sometimes I think he posts up kind of in like while ignoring everything else that's happening within a play. And that stuff seems to happen often enough to where I remember it. I will say I like him on the move in almost all circumstances. A seven foot three guy cutting through the lane or doing anything causes all sorts of chaos. Uh, like he had an alley-oop last night from uh, one of the baseline ones from Dorian Finney-Smith. that was just really pretty. And it's, because him on the move is so dangerous. I think the the there's definitely a mental component to it. And, and if we think back to the 1920 season, <clears throat> Luca was out and he played unbelievably well. Then Luca came back and they played unbelievably well together. Um, there's you know there's got to be him kind of maybe getting his reps in and feeling better about that. Uh, what I find interesting, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, is. I don't really think he like. I think he's playing better. I, I not moving away from this at all. I still see several steps up that he could take to play even better. Like he's not. He's just not hitting a damn thing from outside. And you know, I think like teams are really guarding him less as a result of that. And if he starts hitting, you know, if he starts shooting even where he has been for his career average, because if he's taking six to you know he's taking under six threes a game, I want him taking like eight. And if he's taking like like five, you know five, six, seven, eight threes a game and hits two of them early, it just causes enough of a problem for the defense to where I think it makes his scoring and everyone else's scoring easier throughout the game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I think you maybe tweeted this out, but it was like a graphic of KP's uh, field, goal, field goal percentage since his rookie season, um, really just like anything in the paint, and it's gone up dramatically each year. Um, am I remembering that correct? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll have to look into it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's playing great right now. If he could stay healthy and like he said, if he can kind of get his three point shot back, I mean, I'm, you know, we're potentially seeing a guy who's played the best since those early years in New York. So I'd I, I don't know. I'm so cautiously optimistic with him, though, because I just feel like in a few weeks we're going to have an injury. But uh, you know, you, you, I don't you want to speak to that into it. No, you hate to say it, but everybody's thinking it. And I think that cautious optimism continues to be the best way to approach it. You're enjoying it. You're hopeful for now. And you're hopeful that they can build something on it. But when hope turns into expectations, things get a little bit ugly, which is partially the Mavericks problem this entire re- entire season. Do you think, you know, if it was if it were up to you, 
do you just keep riding him or do you potentially get his trade value up here in the next couple weeks and try to trade him for something? Me, I think you have to listen to it shut down my app. Um, the the whole thing about about him is like you have to kind of take a call and listen because we've kind of seen what this group can do, and I'm not sure that the ceiling is much higher than what we've seen. That said, I'm not sure how much trade interest there there really would be. It's he's going to have to play like this for another month to really generate some stuff. I mean, it's just he has a track record. He's very talented, but it's going to take a nut. You know, I, I think the Mavs would be on the losing end of a fair amount of deals there, and I'm just not sure that they're willing to take any sort of step back at this moment, even though I think some of Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. To me, I'd rather take one step back to potentially be able to take a couple steps forward before Luca is, you know, done with this deal he's on. Um, but we'll see. Well, thanks for having me up, man. I'll, I'll get out of here to let somebody else come up. Thanks, Nick. Talk soon. Okay, coming up next is my man. It's the birthday guy, his sweet 17th birthday. Actually, Jose, I'm just messing with you. No idea how old you are. <laughs> I'm 28. <laughs> 28. Okay, you're you're right. You're right in the sweet spot before things start to like you. You know, in your mid 30s, things start to feel very like your knees hurt for no reason, things like that. But welcome. What do you? <laughs> uh, well. I was going to bring up the, the young guys, but before I, I bring that up, KP's block on Miles Bridges while he was attempting that dunk is probably the best block that I've seen KP ever pull off. I can't believe Bridges even tried that. Like, KP blocked him really before he was in the air. Like, it was it was kind of mean. It's like one of those things you see at, like, a basketball camp where, like, a professional athlete, like, like blocks a six-year-old shot. Was like, Right. It it was again just one of the best blocks I've seen KP ever ever do. But uh going to the young guys like Moses Brown uh Green, I had this little funky lineup thing that I wanted uh to test out with Brunson, Frank, uh Green, Amarui and Moses Brown. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just love the thought of, of that lineup, like starting or even as a, a bench rotation. I mean, let, let's be honest. The the vets on this team haven't done enough to garner minutes. And like you said, we want to see di- something different. I definitely want to see something different. So I came out with, uh, came up with that little funky lineup because I think in my mind how it would work is you have guys who are hustling. You have Frank who could guard, uh, Josh Green who could also guard, and then you have Moses just taking up the pain. And uh, honestly, I love Amarui, and I, I'm I'm really bullish on on his play. But uh, what do you think about that lineup, Kirk? Do you think it's uh, anything? So defensively, probably be kind of a fun lineup. All five guys, grinders in that respect. Offensively, I don't think they could try it because one of the kind of hidden things about Jalen Brunson, even though he's having a very good year, he doesn't take near enough threes for the amount of time he's on the floor, like really kind of a low-volume three-point guy. And he's the only one other than Frank Nilakina who will like even attempt a three. Amarui might, but I don't, I've just not seen enough. 
Um, he feels like more of a kind of want, like, you know, like he, he, he'd rather be a bit of a facilitator within like a secondary playmaking role. So offensively, it strikes me as a little bit challenging because you just sort of pack the paint. But, you know, I don't know. They probably will never try it, but it's always fun. You know, if, if anybody tries it in two. <laughs> and uh, so I, I was in uh, a hoop spaces uh, earlier and somebody had brought up the idea of uh, Russell Westbrook coming to the Mavs. And I was thinking, man, if we take a disgruntled star like like uh, Kyrie or Russell Westbrook, I would want a a first round uh, pick or whatever draft capital we could get out of that because clearly the the Lakers are don't want <laughs> Russell anymore. And, and I don't Russell, know what's happening there because that feels like some kind of external chatter. Because if you look at the Lakers numbers, Russell's kind of the one who's keeping things going the last ten or so games. Like he's playing really well. It's Anthony Davis is the one who's Right. But uh I I was just thinking of of the pairing of Russ and and this team and you know just having an, another ball handler. I I know uh, on offense he's been he's been putting up like 20 uh I seen one game he put up 30 and and something and he was kind of willing and dealing the the Lakers back into a, a game. But uh, I, I just like the the thought of another ball handler, especially him. I think he garners enough attention defensively to to make some plays. And I think the the trade would have been like Tim Hardaway and somebody else just to make the the money right. I, I'm not sure who else they threw in the Twitter spaces, but I, I just thought I would bring that up to you and and get your. I don't so from the Lakers side, I don't see how they move Westbrook because I don't think they have any picks to send. They kind of mortgaged everything on getting KP, and they might be there. And, and some of the protections are really screwy, so it'd have to be kind of like a three-team thing. Um, conceptually, you're talking. Let's just talk like not Westbrook necessarily, in so much as like expensive ball dominant guard Westbrook Wall whoever. I'm kind of at the point where I'm just like like say yes. Let's just let's just get funky. This team's not, you know, maybe it'll shape up, but we're through twenty plus games. They're thirteen, or they're I think what is it? They're fourteen and thirteen, something like that. Like they kind of we we know who this team is, no matter what Mark Cuban says. And you know, maybe they'll they'll get lucky in a certain way, but I, I'm just kind of to the point of of wanting something different, and I I don't want to say. Right, I I feel you. And w- one last thing before I get off is, um, damn it, I had the the fucking idea right in my mind. <laughs> Happens to me all uh, the time. Look. <laughs> Shit, uh, I really can't remember Don't it. Worry. If I remember Don't it, I'll, I'll I'll try to comment it in, in the chat. But uh, thanks for bringing me up, Kirk. Sure thing. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk soon. Okay. See if we got anybody else coming up. Oh, Matt, you want to get something in? Or did you? There you are. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, so at the game yesterday, a couple of things really struck me. One, just how, we forget how much of a kid Luca is. Like seeing how much joy he had starting the the We Want Bobon chant because he. 
don't understand how I keep muting and then unmuting the app. No, I had to speak closer to the mic too. Yeah. So the the we want Boban chant, Lucas started it. It wasn't the fans, and he was just sitting over there like giggling like a small child, and seeing how much it reminds me just how much of a kid he is. Because we expect so much of him because he's the superstar and everything. But he's two years younger than Chris Duarte, that's the Pacers rookie. Like, he he's just a kid. And I think we forget that sometimes, and seeing that made it really easy to remember. And KP looked magnificent in the first half. Like, that was the best he's looked as a Maverick. Um, he moved well. He played well. Just in general, everything was awesome. And then finally, Jose – that starting lineup would be amazing if we were trying to go what Josh Bo wants to do and tank. <laughs> that team would struggle to score 60 points. I don't know. I got, you know, but I like, I like, like, I like anything weird at this point, just something different. Some of these things it's like, Oh, let's try it. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah. For anybody, uh, Matt actually does a pretty good job of stalking CE and things like that, looking for tickets and tickets before last night's game, like sank to the floor. For like we're talking 2016-17 range, Mavs. Yeah, I sat four rows behind Mark Cuban for eighty-five dollars. So that's that's not very much for relative to what it, those seats are. Well, thank you for joining. You got anything else? Uh no, really. That's what. Oh yeah, one other thing. The uh, they ran. They did more drop, kick, drive, kick, and replace than I have seen them do at any point in the last several years last night. Like they had a bunch of people who drove and then kicked it out and then drove again and kept doing like, we had better ball movement than I have seen in a really long time, just from everyone. I saw that too. Yeah. And a lot of that is Dorian. Dorian has done a much like we, me and his talk both were really hard on all of the extra things we were asking of him, but some of it's starting to play pay off. He's shot like 47% on threes over the last, close to 20 games and he's had like 20 or so games in his career with at least four assists and he's had three of them in the last eight games he so also had like a euro step lay like he had some crazy offensive moves. yeah that euro step layup he actually it looked like he almost lost the ball before he shut the layup but it was really cool like dorian's playing really well like we we gripe at him a lot and everything but dorian is playing really really well and that's the last thing i got and i'll let everybody go back to work yep thank you matt the room points out that it's been announced that luke is going to miss that game which disappointed but also kind of i like that that they're making him sort of take the time off so all right um let's see here oh mike mike would like to come up hi mike yeah good thanks kirk Thanks for having sure. me. Um, I uh, yeah, it was good to see some uh, some ball movement yesterday. Like uh, it just seems to have uh, come come a little bit more into play. Like they're, they're just moving the ball better around the perimeter, looking for that outside shot until they've really got someone open. And yeah, it's just a little bit refreshing to see rather than just um, dribble, dribble, dribble. You know, look 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 to, to pass something out. You know, get, getting that ball moving, whipping around the outside. Um, and secondly, KP, I think one of the big differences in his game that I've really noticed, he's, he might have taken a few leaps out of uh, Tim Duncan's book and uh, just starting to push a little bit more away from the edge of the key. So he's got, got an angle to the backboard. He seems to be 
throwing a lot more shots off off the backboard, and uh, it seems to he be did, working I well saw for him, him take one yesterday. There was one yesterday that he missed the rim entirely on from oh, the it was right side. Brutal, and, <laughs> no. then, and then and then the uh, the, the shot clock expired. That was brutal. But I think generally, he's uh, when he's got the smaller defender on him, the backboard's more favourable to him than when he's just taking a straight. Yeah, I mean, I. I you know, he has an interesting trajectory on his shots. Like, it's very much – it doesn't have a ton of arc to it. So when his shots are on, it's like, it's like he's throwing darts. <laughs> yeah, and then when he's off, it's like violence against the rim. Yeah, look, it's uh, – yeah, they can be pretty brutal. So, yeah, just having the backboard, I think, just has, has helped – Helped him, uh, yeah, particularly over some of those smaller defenders. But look, as a as a lone Mavs fan in Australia f- since the nineties, I reckon it is. Um, you know, I was used to the team sort of turning everyone over so so frequently through the early noughties in bet- in particular, and you know, it just hasn't really happened. It sort of feels like it's as it's ticked over December fifteen here. Um, it's uh, yeah. I'm kind of kind of hoping something something is brewing in the in the background and we can finally see the Mavs starting to yeah start moving a few more pieces around and get a few different looks. But uh, what are you what are your thoughts? Do you think there's going to be any change? Are we going to see uh, a bit there, more of that? Yeah, there should be. I don't. I've never ever been able to predict anything. Um, you know, from what Mr. Cuban has been spending his time doing, I think he still believes this team needs more time. I don't really know what for, but it, it's, you know, Dirk went on and gave an interview today about how, how they were playing fine before injuries and like they're, you know, again, love me some Dirk. That's just not true. Um, like there's, this team has always been one to say one thing and do another. It's just, and that's fine. We don't need to know everything, but I'll be surprised if they don't move someone, if they don't make some sort of change. Um you know, it, I don't know when, you know, the first time I think everyone is eligible to be traded is actually Friday, even though the, the 15th uh, is tomorrow. But I think there's some other people that like, at least on the Mavericks roster that are eligible to be traded soon. So I'm not, I don't think it happens immediately. I think it happens closer to the trade deadline. Um, but if we get closer to like game, you know, 40, 45, I'll be surprised. So. Yeah, well, uh, Let's uh, let's see, but yeah, I agree. I think it'll probably happen later in the post as well. But um, yeah, hopefully we get to see a bit of activity from this new front office and without uh, Mr. Cuban pulling the puppet strings too hard. So fingers crossed. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you taking time out of your day. Talk soon. Okay. In and out. Nice little uh, nice little podcast, and we'll see how things go. Um, oh, Jose asked uh, in the chat, my last question was, do you know when a team knows when they should tank? Like, are, are they elevating talent mid-season? Mm, I don't know if this team is ever going to be a good judge of when they know they should, should, should call it in. I mean, when you have Luka Doncic, I just don't think you can afford to do that outside of if he were to have a significant injury. Um, I said to Josh two days ago, so before the the Hornets game where I thought they might lose, is that there might be some kind of organic tanking involved if Luke is not able to play for three weeks. But then they beat the Hornets, and now they're going to play the Lakers, and so we're just gonna we're just gonna see what happens. Um, 
All right, guys, we'll be back after this. Uh, uh, Josh and I will record tomorrow night at the Lakers game. Look for Anthony, uh, Irvin, and I, Irwin and I tomorrow on the, the Mavs Moneyball podcast feed. It'll be showing up in the morning. Thanks so much for taking your time, and we will uh, talk soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.